So when I was in high school, I worked as a movie theater usher at my local theater. And it, uh, it wasn't until I started that job that I learned that going to the movies on Christmas Day was a thing. Like, is that part of anyone's tradition in here? Like, there, there's a couple. Okay, yeah, yeah, there's a couple. Um, so I, I didn't realize this uh, until the time because we had always just stayed in that morning, done Christmas, always sort of done things with the family. But uh, that particular Christmas, I was slotted to work and uh, talked to my parents about it. We did Christmas in the morning. I worked in the afternoon. Um, I was going to make time and a half that day. So uh, we're talking five fifteen up into the $7 an hour. So we were living like a king back in the day on Christmas Day, okay? Uh, but, um, but, you know, during the season that, that I was a movie theater usher, uh, the movie The Matrix came out, okay? And for those of you who are not familiar with The Matrix, I know Kung Fu, right? Um, the Matrix, it was, was a big hit at the time. I had to watch it about five times till I really, like, got a good grasp of what was going on. I'm a bit of a slow learner. But The Matrix was a, is a sci-fi action movie uh, that really explores... A, a big theme in movies, and it's not a theme that we see just in movies, but it's a theme uh, that we also see in the Bible and in theology, and it's this theme of predestination versus free will. Okay, so in other words, uh, is, is life uh, sort of mapped out for us? Is everything predetermined for us? Uh, does God do that? Does, does a higher being do that for us? Or do we really have no agency? Or is it the other, where, where we have free will, we make choices, we have agency in everything uh, that we choose to do in life, uh, we make the decision and we guide that process. And so uh, The Matrix explores this with its main character, of Neo, okay, uh, played by Keanu Reeves before he was John Wick. Um, and, and in the movie, there are prophecies made about the chosen one, okay? And so, like most characters in these movies do, they push against that prophecy, they push against what has been predetermined, and they choose in, to do their own thing. They exercise their free will. But what happens, especially in this instance, is that in his free will, he fulfills the prophecy, right? Okay? So, Lots of different movies kind of follow along this same theme. The Truman Show, okay? If you've seen The Truman Show, um, Truman is a man basically in a, in a reality TV world. Everyone in his life is an actor except him, okay? So much of, of his life is being dictated, okay? Decisions are made for him. He has some free will in that, okay? Uh, but for the most part, how much of it is predetermined? How much of it is his choice? And then even looking at the Terminator, okay? Austin La Vista Baby. Uh, if we go back far enough, and if we eliminate John Connor, and we eliminate the leader of this rebellion against the machines, uh, will we be able to win? Will we be able to, to thrive? And if you pay attention... Um, any great story, whether it be in a book, in a movie, any great story has its roots somewhere in the Bible, right? Because, I mean, it, what do we have in the Bible? We have stories of redemption. We have, we have uh, the destruction of evil. We have uh, overcoming fears, stories of the miraculous. Even movies, some of the worst movies that, that depict the, the depravity of mankind and the fallenness of mankind uh, in some way points back to the Word of God and says, we are in need of a Savior. We are in, in need of, of some, uh, some hope, some joy, something that can free us from ourselves. And so when it comes to the story of Christmas, 
uh, we also see this, this free will predestination uh, debate happening as well. Because what do we know about Jesus and his birth? We know that there are certain prophecies made about Jesus, right? Whether that be 400 years prior, whether that be 600 years prior, we know that Jesus is going to be born of a virgin, and he is going to be born in what town? In Bethlehem, right? So we know that about, we know that Mary and Joseph do not live in Bethlehem. They live in Nazareth, right? And so we know that they have to make this trip, make this journey uh, to, to uh, the hometown of Joseph's family. And so what I want us to do, if you brought your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. And we are going to read the first seven verses together. Luke 2, beginning with verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Okay, so the decree is coming from who? From Caesar, right? Where does Caesar live? In Rome, okay? He has his seat of power in Rome. And so we have this decree coming from west to east, from Rome to Judea, that each region should be registered. Verse 2, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Uh, at the beginning of December, we began our Advent series, and we are calling it True North. And in it, we've discussed the function of a compass. A compass is designed to point north. Okay, So whether, whether you use a compass or whether at night you look at the North Star, if you can establish which direction is north, all the other directions fall into place, right? That, that is true of, of geo, geographical directions. In the first week, we talked about how Mary and Joseph, okay, traveled from north to south to Bethlehem, right, to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem. The week after that, we looked at the wise men and how they traveled from east to west, right, following the star, Right? Last week, Curtis spoke on, on the shepherds, and, and I love how Curtis spoke just about how, how the, what the lowly status of the shepherds were, and, and just how they were viewed as outcasts, and how, uh, how just miraculous it was that God would reveal himself to those shepherds. Right, And so in my mind, if we're following all the directions here, in my mind, Curtis, the shepherds, the fields were to the south, and they traveled from south to north. Okay, uh, And so what we're going to talk about this morning is this decree that is now moving from west to east, right? And so with this decree that God has, has, uh, has ordained somehow, uh, but in life, right, in life, Jesus is our true north, right? If we can establish that part of our life, right, if we can orient ourselves in that direction, everything else will fall into place. Now, it doesn't mean that life will be perfect, okay? We all know that. We all know that troubles come. We all know that we will have hard times. But, but when we can establish which direction Jesus is, when we can establish who he is in our lives, God, he, he will give us purpose, he will give us meaning, and we will live fruitful lives that are pleasing to him. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about this census. What is a census exactly? A census is a way of head counting, right? Uh, for students, for those of you who are in classrooms, 
It's likely your teachers do a quick head count. They may call roll. Um, it's really hard for the entire known world to walk out into their driveway and for a person to get in a helicopter and do a head count. So they have to come up with creative ways to do this. Uh, but people take censuses. Our state takes a census. Our, our government, our country takes a census for a lot of different reasons. It could be to establish the population, uh, decide how much we should be taxed, decide what property taxes should be, uh, how much resources do our schools need, how many representatives uh, do, uh, does this region need. And for, for the Jews living in Judea at the time, it wasn't so much so that they could have representation. They, they did not need to be represented. Rome represented them just fine. In fact, Rome was the ruling government of the day. Rome is going to decide, make their decisions for them, no problems there. And so the government... Okay, the government control forces Mary to do something that she does not want to do. What do they make her do? They insist that at nine months pregnant that she make this 10-day trip down to Bethlehem. And so I, I, I feel for Joseph, like as a man uh, I feel, and a husband, I feel for Joseph in this situation. Um, if I were to go to my wife and tell her that at, at nine months fully loaded, that we needed to make a 10-day road trip, Okay, historians say it would take about 10 days, that we need to make a 10-day road trip or the FBI is going to come knocking on our door. Um, my wife would probably say that she's got something for the FBI whenever they get there, right? So I, I, feel, I feel for Joseph here. Okay? I feel for him because I don't know what I'm more afraid of. right? I don't know if I'm more afraid of, of the Roman government who might give me a slap on the wrist if I don't go or if I'm afraid of Mary who I'm going to be living with for the rest of my life, right? So we all know the story. We know that Mary and Joseph make the trip down to Bethlehem. And so how is it? How is it that, that Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem? Was it to, to fulfill this prophecy that was made hundreds of years prior? Something that, that seems like it's been predetermined, right? To fulfill uh, this great prophecy that the prophets made. Or is it because a Roman emperor decided that he was going to take a census? Like, which is, it, which is it of those two? And the answer is obviously yes, right? Because what does God do? God often takes some of the things that we do. God can use some of the decisions of a greedy emperor okay, for his own purposes, for his own glory, for his own use, for his own saving work, which is precisely what God does in our lives. How many times has something uh, catastrophic, how many times has something that's even a setback that has occurred in our lives, okay, God has used for his own glory. God has used for good. God has used to bring out something in us, right? It's something that only God can do. And so you have this Roman government, okay, the greatest empire the world has ever seen, um, does not outlast, nor could it stand against the purposes of God. Okay, if anything, it is subject to him. Okay, because the prophet Isaiah says 600 years prior to, to the birth of Christ, before all of this, okay, in, in the passage that Becky just mentioned, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I don't know how many of you remember when, when you were a kid, and maybe you did this as a kid or you did it with your own kids, but, but you've gotten, you, your dad or your mom has picked you up and, and put you on their shoulders, 
right? You've been somewhere between two and four, and when you're at two or four and you're at a busy place, you're kind of limited on what you can see, right? You're kind of limited to kneecaps and crotches. Not much to see there, right? <laughs> and so your dad hoists you up on his shoulders, opens up a new world to you, does it not? Right? You're ahead, taller than everyone else. You feel like you're king of the world. You say, Dad, go over here to the fountain. Dad, go over there. Go over there this way. The, the longer that you're up there, the longer that you can see, you, you feel sort of emboldened. You feel like you are in power. You feel like you're in control. Uh, but at the root of it, it's Daddy who's in charge. It's Daddy who decides where you go, when you go, and most importantly, when you come down. Right? Our world has seen governments... Our world has seen civilizations rise and fall. Some have been God-fearing, at least maybe at one point. Um, some have worshipped other gods. Yet any, any hope that they have in thriving or succeeding on any level rests on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Okay, because the government is on his shoulders. No government can thwart the purposes of God. Because we know what Herod tried to do, right? Like, what did Herod tell the wise men? He said, hey, let me know when you find this new king, and I'll come and worship him. Right? So Herod learns that the wise men sort of scooted around him to head back to the east. And Herod, in an attempt to protect some of his power, uh, just sort of loses it a little bit, dispatches troops to go to Bethlehem to kill all the baby boys in that town. Right, don't, don't sing many Christmas hymns around that story, do we? Right. Um, history says that with, with a little town like Bethlehem, there was about 20 infant boys that were killed. Um, we know that God, God showed himself to Joseph and Mary to tell them to what? To go to Egypt so that, that Jesus' life would be spared. Right? No, no government, no empire can thwart the purposes of God. And, and even this story is a callback to what we see in the book of Exodus. Because if we remember Moses, right? We, we saw that Pharaoh was in the same position Herod was. That he was in fear that, that, these, that these people, that these Hebrews would overthrow him, that they would threaten his power. And so Pharaoh issues an order that all of the Hebrew boys, the baby boys, would be killed. And so God, in his mercy, in his plan, spares the life of Moses. And a bit of irony, actually, uh, God has Moses raised under the nose of the Egyptian empire. And the same way, Jesus is raised under the nose of the Roman empire. And so the plans of God will not be thwarted even by some of the most powerful empires and governments of the day. And so what we have in the story of the nativity is that we have, we have Mary and Joseph forced into participating in this census at the absolute worst time of their lives. And, and if you put yourself in their shoes, um, you probably feel like there's just very little power that you have. There's very little say you have in any of this. It feels like big brothers running the shots. They're directing, they're telling who, where to go, when to be there. And, and I don't think, you know, I think that we can all relate to that on some degree, on some level. There's this moment that, that we often feel like that we are powerless, that we have no say, that we don't have any agency whatsoever. But, but then Isaiah would tell us that, no, the, the government rests on his shoulders. 
He, he is the one that guides history. He is the one that directs all things. He is the one. It, it is, it is any, any hope that these governments and that these empires hope to have rests with him. Now, I don't think in the last three years, Joe Biden has, has told a, a nine-month pregnant mom that they need to take a road trip. I don't think Trump did it before him. But, but I know for you and I, there, there are decisions that our governments makes. There's directions that our government that our empire has made that we don't always agree with, and we feel powerless. Like especially with inflation, um, just how much Christmas has probably cost this year, how much gas has been over the course of the next year. There's so much of that that we have very little control over, and, it, and it's frustrating, isn't it? Okay, not to mention next year, right? 2024, going into an election year. Boy, we know that's going to be fun, right? right? If history has taught us anything since COVID is that half of our country is going to be at odds with each other, right? We'll probably get in discussions at work or with family, uh, arguments about abortion and social justice and immigration, all of these different things. It's, it's going to be toxic. Like It's going to feel like we are, are past the point of no return. But, but in all of it, Whatever may come, whatever, whatever comes within the next year, whatever we're experiencing now, in all of it, the government rests on his shoulders. His plans will not be thwarted. He tells history which way to go. He directs the north to the south. He directs the east to the west. He is the God who, who directs okay, and fulfills prophecy, bringing Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. He is the God of all wisdom that guides these wise men from Babylon to Bethlehem. He is the God of the lowly and the outcast who reveals himself to these shepherds in this field of this great king who is coming. And he is the God who directs history and all government. He has given us Christ, the centerpiece of civilization, the focal point of all life, our one true north, when life has us spinning in so many different directions, when life has us spinning in circles, he is our one true north. He is the direction our eyes should be fixed. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And we will continue to celebrate and praise him as we gather this evening at four. I hope to see you there. Let me pray for us. God, for everything that, that, didn't go, that didn't go right for us this season, that, that won't go uh, right for us this season as we're not officially to Christmas Day yet, um, but all the things that we said that we would do, um, the, the readings that we said that we would participate in this Christmas season, the memories that we thought we would make, uh, the lights that we told ourselves that we would gather together and go see, uh, the family gatherings that didn't happen, the people that got sick, uh, the bad news that we experienced, um, maybe our first Christmas without someone that we love. Um, for whatever reason that didn't happen, whether we got sick or got busy or just felt really overwhelmed with the expectations that come with Christmas. Lord, may we find peace and joy and rest in this, this precious gift that you give us. And Lord, when, when things fall apart, when our expectations are broken, whatever our expectations may be, Lord, remind us that you are enough. You always have been. You always will be. Thank you for being enough. And thank you for the gift of Christ. Amen.